Thank you, thank you. Welcome to you too. Why don't you join me just in welcoming people online. Just put your hands together. Let's welcome the guys who are joining us. Great to be with you in Cafe Church, Leicester, London, Cambridge, anywhere else you are. Great to be with you. And welcome to part two of our series, looking at this wonderful subject of confidence. Now, I wonder if I was to ask you a question today, as you look into 2019, and you kind of, you look into your own heart, and you said, what, what is the one word that would describe how I feel about what lies ahead? I wonder what that word would be. What, what, what are you feeling about 2019? I hope after last week's message, there might be an increase in peace, security, confidence about what's coming up. Maybe for some of us, there's maybe on the other end a sense of maybe a bit of anxiety or fear. But I wonder how many of you, as soon as I said that, you had the word contentment right over your life. Now, isn't contentment a wonderful word? You know, it's that deep sense, all is well and all will be well. You know, it's almost like internally sitting in front of a wood burner thinking, all is good, life is cool. Now, how many of you agree, though, that probably isn't the word most people are thinking of over the UK? That, that right now, if you have said, Let, let's describe some music to describe how the country seems to be feeling, I think I'd be picking, because uh, of my age, the Rolling Stones, Mick Jagger, can't get no, said the four people over 50. <laughs> Can't get no satisfaction, okay? Feels like for the UK, which is the opposite of contentment. Now, I have come to bring you great news today. God wants you to be people who live in contentment all of the time, regardless of circumstance, and for that to come from Him Himself. Now, we're going to be looking at picking up the passage that we had last week. Uh, we're in Philippians 4, which is one of my favourite passages in the whole Bible. And I'm going to pick up where we left off last week in chapter 4, verse 10, where Paul writes this. So I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I am not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content. Say content. Learn to be content, whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need. And I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation. Whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all this through him, the Lord Jesus Christ, who gives me strength. Then he finishes off. Yet it was good of you to share in my troubles. Now, isn't contentment, the word Paul uses right in the middle of that passage, isn't it a wonderful word? If you, if you know what it means, it means things like a sense of happiness and satisfaction. How many of you like more happiness, satisfaction, more fulfillment? So a sense of well-being, of pleasure, of feeling rested and at ease, of comfort, of equanimity. Go and look it up online. It's a lovely word. Serenity and tranquility. Okay, I'm, I'm guessing that all of us would want more of that in 2019. And actually, that's what Paul's saying is what we can have. But actually, when he uses that word contentment, it's better than what I've just described. The image that's described for us really in that original language, the word contentment, the image, if you like, is of a city that is surrounded by a siege but the city is kind of confident, almost, almost smug, not quite, but almost smug because the walls are thick and the well is deep. 
In other words, no matter what comes against this city, we cannot just survive it, we can thrive in the midst of the siege. In other words, what is Paul saying? He's saying, you and I, we can live with a confidence in 2019, not because we're strong, but because Jesus is. And because he has promised to be with us all the time and to meet every need we've got. Now, now right now, I, I don't know what your situation is. And if you're on a kind of, if you imagined a contentment continuum, which I've just made up, and there was, there was a spectrum of it where one end, you're all cool and relaxed, you're then you're a little bit anxious. Wherever you would put yourself on that continuum today, I believe Jesus wants to move you along it so that you can learn some things and living some things that right now may even seem impossible to you. Now, what I want to do, I don't know if you noticed there, Paul said, I have learned a secret. Say secret. How many of you like secrets just generally? Well, what Paul is saying here is there is something hidden. There is something people don't know about that's not automatic or known. And it's the secret of how to live in contentment. Now, I want to say if it's in the Bible and Paul learned it, I want to learn it to anybody else. Well, whether you do or not, I'm going to share this, this stuff with you anyway. Now, what I want us to look at then is two elements of the secret of how to live contentedly. And, but I want to kind of take you on a journey today. We're not going to just go, in a sense, the two points are not of equal importance. We're going to work our way into the, the core of the secret. So those of you who like the answer at the beginning, you're going to have to be content and wait a few minutes before you get the end bit. But here we go, number one. The secret of true contentment is learned through the circumstances of today. Okay, I'm going to say that again. The secret of true contentment is learned through the circumstances of today. Now, I don't know about you, but when I hear the word contentment, I kind of get images and pictures that, that come into my mind. Um, and they tend to be rather good images. Now, if you see the ones that will be on the, the screen behind me, I put contentment the word contentment into Google Images, and this is what came up. Okay, you, you get the idea. Yet yeah, everything is right. The sky is blue. Everything's good in relationships. The sea is calm. Everything's going well. And the sense here is that when you say contentment, it's about particular circumstances and maybe even about a particular personality type. Now, that, the pictures you just looked at and the images you may have of contentment, they're actually rooted in what we might call the when-then myth. In other words, our society and often our own flesh tells us, when this happens, then I will be content. Maybe you've heard yourself say this or think this, when Man City win the Premier League, then I will be content. Or not, as the case may be. Or when I get that job done, then I'll be content. When I finish that bit of work, then I'll be content. When I get that relationship, then I'll be content. When I get married, then I'll be content. When I have kids, then I'll be content. When I get that pay rise, when I get retirement, when everything is okay, then I'll be content. Now, what Paul is saying here is that isn't what we should be looking for. Let, let, let me give you an example. Um, anyone ever had that, that thought in your head, when I get my first car, then I'll be content. Anybody else ever had that? Yes, you did. Come on, don't look at me all holy. Um, I certainly had it. I can remember as a young man, I had this image in my mind, when I get my first car, then I'll be content. Now, the image in my mind was, I'm sat in this cool car, the window's down, 
the sun is shining, my hair is blowing in the wind. I had a bit more hair then and a bit more wind probably. Um, the, the sun is shining, the arm is permanently brown because it's just in the sun all of the time. The music's blaring out of the tape player. See how long ago it was. Okay, you two's on. I'm cruising past other people. It's just, I just knew it was going to be like that. Now, then reality kicked in. The when then kicked in. And my first car was a larder. <laughs> Clearly, I'm amongst people who know what a larder is. For those of you who don't know what a larder is, okay, just, just Google it. You, you'll, you'll discover it's an interesting car. Let me tell you about a little bit about my first experience of what was supposed to be glorious but turned out another way. Um, this car, if, it, if there was something that could go wrong with a car, it went wrong with this car. So, for example, the heating broke as soon as I got it, which was great in winter because it blasted hot air at you. Terrible in summer because it carried on blasting hot air at you, whatever you did. When it rained, I remember once it was raining. This is in Durham. The windscreen wipers are going boom, 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 boom. Just flew off. (laughs) Now, to its credit, I mended it with sellotape and it lasted. (laughs) I also had a proclivity for getting flat tyres. I actually had a tyre burst three times in two weeks. I had a mechanic once we drove, this is just in one year, okay? I I drove once from, on a particular journey over a weekend and the same mechanic had to fix the same car twice from the AA. Poor guy. Now the the death knell for that car was when my friend who had a Skoda, (laughs) but that was pre-Vox VW days, his Skoda broke down. So I towed his Skoda with my larder to the garage. A uh, few weeks later, I took the car in for its MOT and the mechanic, he sat me down after he done the MOT, he said, Mr. Deeks, you need to get a new car. We couldn't pass it on anything. <laughs> okay, there, there was the end of the when, then myth. When I get a car, now that's an extreme example, but how many of you know that's true? It's true for possessions, it's true for relationships, it's actually true for lots of what society throws at us, and we have to be alert to the fact that I think we're vulnerable to the when-then myth. I know for, for my wife and I, we, uh, we realized early, well, fairly early on in our marriage that we needed to create a bit of a gap between us and the draw to these things. Ever had that? Here's an offer. Uh, you'll save all this money. You know, you're caught on the street. Buy this, it will change your life. We realised that when that happened, we used to get sweaty palms. We'd want to say yes there and then. So we decided we'd create a space. We would never, ever make a big purchasing decision in the moment. We'd actually go away. We'd pray about it. We'd wait until the revs of our heart had lowered a bit. And then we'd make a decision. Do you know, for many of us, you would have a more contented 2019 if you just said, God, we're not going to make any big financial decisions unless we're sure that you are saying yes. I'm not saying you can't enjoy what God's given you. You can, he wants you to. But why not learn to submit those big decisions, never do it in the heat of the moment, but wait for God to say yes. Because listen to what Paul says. He said, I've learned how to be content with whatever I have. I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. Okay, some of us need to learn how to live with everything, how to be content in the midst of riches and wealth. He says, I have learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it is with a full stomach or empty, 
with plenty or little. You see, the image for the Philippians, the image they would have had in their mind as they read this letter from Paul was not actually of a beautiful sunset situation. It's of a man in prison. Here's Paul actually being more like this image, the sense of uh, someone isolated on their own, Paul living in difficult living conditions, probably with an uncertain future, spending most of the time on his own or, or chained up. Now, that's the circumstance in which Paul is saying, I have learned to be content. So he's saying it's nothing to do with circumstances. Now, this to me is extraordinary. What Paul is saying is the secret of true contentment has nothing to do with my level of uh, provision, nothing to do with my personality. Okay, remember, Paul is, is what we might call, he's a type A personality. He, he's fairly hard driving. He, he's a man who wants to make a difference. He's a guy who, who says expressly, I want to make the use of, of, best use of every day that I've got. And yet here he is in prison, bound, knowing what the future is, not knowing what the future is and saying, I'm content. So, so what, what is the secret? Well, we move in a little bit more and I want you to notice this phrase. Twice here, Paul says, I have learned the secret. Say learned. When he says learned, what does he mean? He means, I wasn't always like this. Okay, he's saying, it has taken me time to learn how to be truly content. In other words, contentment isn't something that's necessarily kind of a default human condition that just kind of automatically happens and gets downloaded into your soul. See, it's not actually a case of having a particular type of personality. No, he's saying it's something that you can learn. Now, this is great news. That means that today, if you describe your life as just continually being in a whirlwind of fear and anxiety and insecurity, and you, you believe that's what you have to live with for the rest of your life, I believe God has sent me here today to give you good news. You don't have to live like that. There is a king who wants to come and bring a level of contentment in your life where the power of that fear can be broken and you can walk in peace and joy regardless of your circumstances. And it's good news for all of us. How many of you want more contentment? Well, that's what Paul is saying. You can learn how to be content. Now, actually, I think when he uses that word learn, he doesn't mean an academic exercise. Okay, what Paul is not saying is I've learned a few, a bit of knowledge. I've got a bit more knowledge than I used to have. No, he's saying, actually that word learned means it's by experience in the middle of circumstances. In other words, if you look at Paul's life, he's saying, I've gone through some hard times. I've gone through some good times. When you look at Paul's hard times, they are really tough. But he's saying it's those circumstances that have taught me how to be content. As I look through my own life, I've been a Christ follower now for about 37 years. And what I see is there are some things that used to cause me a lot of angst, fear and anxiety. Okay, I can remember doing my first talk at the University CU a long time ago. Okay, we're talking about no mobile phones, everything was black and white, Yorkshire and Leeds won everything. It's a long time ago. But I can remember sitting in front of a group of 20 people and being almost literally petrified. I didn't know what to say. I'd been nervous. I'd been sleepless for weeks. Now, I want to tell you, years later, and I get to speak to you beautiful people, I'm a lot less nervous than I was. <laughs> I'm not going to pretend I'm completely secure, but I slept last night. 30 years ago, that would have been a miracle. In other words, you learn. 
There's a contentment that grows, a confidence that Jesus will supply what I need, when I need it, whatever's going on. Now, I'm, I'm still on that journey. But here's the thing that I feel, I, I felt personally God saying to me a lot recently. Seeing circum, I have often seen my circumstances as the enemy of contentment. And actually what Paul is saying, he's saying, no, no, no. Now is the perfect time to learn how to be content. It's not the change in the circumstances that will necessarily bring contentment, although God can do that. It's actually learning how to be content right now in these circumstances. And realizing as I look back through my life, that's what God has done. He's proven himself extraordinarily faithful and able and capable and loving and good. But it's taken me, maybe I'm particularly thick, but it's taken me a long time to realize he is good to his word and he will come through and what he says he will do for me and for you. Do you know, I, I want to say to you, why not make a choice that says, rather than running from circumstances, saying, God, you've got something to teach me in these circumstances. And often, you know, the biggest thing God wants to do in our lives is change us from the inside so that we get a contentment, whatever is going on around us. I want to encourage you to see your circumstances as the perfect training ground to become content and actually to realize what God is offering us here, what Paul is declaring here is that no longer looking at circumstances fearfully, but saying, oh my word, what Jesus wants to do is to teach me to be full of peace and joy right now, even if they don't change. And I want to encourage you, make it. If you want to learn the secret of contentment, learn to say, today, Jesus, help me learn to be content, whatever the circumstances. That's the first, the first element of the secret. It's learned, the secret of true contentment is learned in the circumstances of today. Second secret. And now we're coming right to the middle. Those of you who've been anxious to get to the middle, but this is what Paul is saying right at the core. It says, the secret of true contentment is found only in Christ Jesus. The secret of true contentment is found only in Christ. You know, in many ways, this is kind of, this is what I wanted to come and share with you. This is the key to living in contentment. Listen to this verse. This wonderful verse right at the core, this passage. Paul says this. In fact, why don't you read this verse with me? Verse 13, Paul says, For I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. And then I, I love this in the Amplified, which is um, just makes the verse bigger, okay? makes it longer, gives you a greater sense of what's in there. Let me read this to you. Philippians 4.13, another in the translation says this. I can do all things through him who strengthens and empowers me. I am self-sufficient in Christ's sufficiency. I'm ready for anything. And I'm equal to anything through him who infuses me with inner strength and confident peace. How many of you think if I really knew that to the tips of my toes, it would make a difference in my life? That's what Paul is saying. That's what we're here to learn. Now, I want to see you here, first of all, what Paul is not saying. This is one of the, the most misquoted verses in the Bible. Paul is not saying, I can just get on and do whatever I like and Jesus will kind of rescue me. You know, I can run off the top of a building and Jesus will catch me. He could do that, but that isn't really the way he operates. Or I've heard of, um, particularly when I was at university, a particular group of students who decided not to revise for their exams and were going into the exam going, 
Ah, God, Jesus, you can, I can do all things through you who gives me strength. Let me tell you how that went. Not so well. Um, many of you, a little bit older, you may have heard of Evander Holyfield, the famous uh, heavyweight boxer. Apparently on his shorts, when he went to, to fight Mike Tyson, the, the ear biter, um, he had written on there, I can do all things through Christ. And he won. So people go, yeah, come on, Jesus gave Mike Tyson a good smack in. Then he, he, then he, he fought against Lennox Lewis a, a while later with the same thing on his thing. Do you know what happened? He lost. So had Jesus stopped boxing? No, no, it's just a complete misappropriation of the verse. What the verse means is Jesus is here to give you the strength and the grace, the strength, as it says in the verse, for everything that life throws at you. And he wants to give you a confidence and a boldness. What Paul is not seeing here is that Jesus will necessarily make you super rich. He's saying that you are rich. If you're a Christ follower here today, you are already rich, already far richer than you have any idea. And that this Jesus, he is the one who is able and willing, right in your circumstances, day by day, to give you the strength and the grace and the wisdom and the power that you need to be confident and in a place of contentment. You know, I, I, I feel, thank you. I, I, I want to say to you, Jesus is able. He's willing and he's able to meet you at whatever your need is. And contentment is that confidence that Jesus will supply my every need. You know, when I look back over my own life, there are seasons where uh, I kind of, I draw encouragement today from what Jesus did in the past. Uh, I remember when, we, when I and my family were transitioning from being a full-time paid teacher, 20 years in that, to becoming a full-time paid uh, member of the Kingsgate staff. And there was a big change for me from going from a job where I kind of knew what I was doing to a job where, don't let Dave know, I haven't got a clue. <clears throat> um, and there are a few big things going on in our lives. We had, as a family, we had about 10 weeks to find a new house, get a new job for my wife, a new school for my daughter, and my son who was halfway through his GCSEs to find something for him. I think those, those are fairly big things. Now, when I look back, my contentment level was like this. Okay, it was up, it was down. It was up, it was down. Sometimes like, yeah, come on. Other times like, oh, please come through. In the space of eight weeks, we saw uh, a house come down by 35,000 pounds in the week that we went looking so we could afford it. We saw my wife get a promotion and a better job than she'd had before and a pay rise that went with it. My daughter ended up in a better school than she was in previously. And my son get located so he could have a lift every day to school. Jesus is able. He is able. Now, please hear me. I don't tell you that because I want you to be impressed with me. No, no, no. To be impressed with Jesus. My goal for you today is that you leave wherever you are impressed with Jesus. He is able. You know, just, just recently, I, um, I've walked through a season with a, a couple where the husband has been dying of cancer and we've, we've prayed with them and he didn't get healed. And we've, I've walked through him in that season. Do you know, we just recently had the funeral. But what has been extraordinary to me is how the wife has had an ongoing supernatural peace about her, a strength about her, a contentment that although all around her has been this whirlwind of fear and disappointment, in the middle of it she's been like a center of peace. Do you know why? 
Because the contentment is in Jesus. It's not in circumstances. Do you know, when you know Jesus is your everything and your all, he will deliver what you need in the season that you're in. I don't know about you, I, um, I love trees. Anybody else love trees? I love particularly kind of long-term ancient trees. You know, some trees in the UK, they've lived for hundreds of years. And um, I, I actually do give trees hugs. Anybody else give trees hugs? I like to feel the strength of a tree. And one thing I love, you look at a tree that's been around for, for many, many years, even some centuries, and you, you look at it and you think, first of all, they look pretty contented. Maybe a little, they've had a few battles, but they look contented. They don't look anxious or fearful. You think, what's the secret? Well, we know the secret. The secret of the longevity of a tree like that is because they've got a hidden source of strength. They've got roots that go down deep into the ground. And in season and out of season, when things are going well and when they're not going well, those roots are going down into the ground. They're drawing the nourishment and the strength that they need to be able to not just thrive, survive, but actually thrive in those circumstances. You know, I, I, I want to say to you today, this is the secret that Paul is sharing with us. If you want to live a life of contentment, put your trust in Jesus. Make Jesus the sole source of your contentment. Make him the source of your strength and your grace and do it on a daily basis. You know, contentment isn't something that God kind of lobs at us from a distance or someone kind of prays a little prayer over you and then a contentment button goes on and that's it, I'm content for life. No, no, it's about an ongoing daily, life-giving, vital relationship with the Jesus who died, rose again, ascended to the Father and is now present with us by the power of the Holy Spirit. It's about cultivating a relationship with Him where you put your roots down deep into Him and you make every day a day where you say, Jesus, I need your help, but I know with you I can do anything. With your strength in me, I can handle anything that's going to come my way. This same Jesus who commanded the storms to be stilled, who healed the sick, who raised the dead. By the power of the Holy Spirit, he is with you and with me all of the time. He's with you here and he's with you when you're at work. He's with you when you're out having a leisure time. He's with you all of the time and he is omnipotent. There's nothing he cannot do. He's never fearful. He's never anxious. And when you're drawing on Jesus, you're saying, I'm drawing on omnipotent strength, complete peace, perfect joy. What's Paul saying? He's saying, build your life on Jesus. Make him the source. Maybe, maybe you've never given your life to Jesus. I want to say, why not make today, wherever you are, the day when you say, Jesus, come into my life for the first time. I've tried other things. They don't work. Now, now, invite Jesus in. Or, or maybe you're someone, you, you were a Christ follower and right now you're not really. The end of our service, wherever you are, there'll be opportunity to invite Jesus back in. Make him your source again. Put him in that central place. But then I, I want to say to the rest of us, do you know, if you want to be confident in 2019, if you want to walk into 2019 with kind of your shoulders back, your head high, look in 2019 in the face, Make Jesus the source of your strength. Put your confidence in him. Now, I, I don't know about you, a lot of it's about how I start the day. Anyone else ever experienced that way? As soon, as soon as you break up, wake up even, not break up, wake up, the first thing you think about is all the stuff that's got to be done. Anybody else that? 
And it feels like there's all this stuff coming at you. Well, why not respond to that temptation to be anxious by getting hold of this scripture and saying, I'm going to meet it with this scripture. And literally saying, no, no, whatever comes my way today, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I'm ready for anything and I'm equal to anything that comes my way today. Not necessarily because I'm strong, but because he is omnipotently strong and infinitely present. Uh, One writer put it like this. I love this. He he said, why not respond like this? I don't know how I'm going to handle this or handle today, but I can. I know that from sources of which I am not now conscious, help will come. Not necessarily the help I ask for, but help. I know nothing about right now will rise up in me, will appear suddenly from all sorts of unexpected places. So I, I want to say, p- please hear me. Take that scripture that you've got on your notes. Take it into your, your week this week. Make it your habit to start the day by getting your eyes off yourself, off your inadequacies and onto his competence and strength and love and goodness. And then throughout the day, make it a habit just to draw on him. Maybe in the midst of a, of a day, you're going to a meeting, you've got something that makes you fearful. Just remind yourself, Jesus is with me. He's for me. In him, I can do all things. There's nothing that comes my way today that he cannot face and he cannot give me the strength for. Do you know? And be grateful. Every time you see Jesus come through, make it a habit to say thank you. Thank you, Jesus. I saw you as, as we heard last week. Rejoice in the Lord always. I say it again, rejoice. Make it your habit. Keep your eyes on Jesus. But you know, as I, as I bring this message to a close, what it feels to me like, Paul presents before us a picture that feels almost impossible. I have learned, he says, to be content in all circumstances, whether succeeding or failing, whether rich or poor, whether things are going well or they're not going well. I've learned to be content. How many of you would like to get to that place one day where you can say with Paul, I have learned to be content. Well, I want to pray for us in a moment. I want to say, that's one of my goals in life. I want to learn to be content. I'm on that journey. Let's go on that journey together, but let's seek to be people in 2019. Our confidence is in Christ, contented that he will come through for us. Why don't you join me as I pray? If you're saying, Jesus, Help me learn that secret then. Just want to hold out your hands in front of you. That may, may help you. Heavenly Father, I thank you that there is no insecurity, no fear, no anxiety in heaven. Heaven is full of peace and joy. And I pray, Father, now for every person with their hands held out in front of them, with a heart longing for contentment, that you would come into the midst of our circumstances that you would teach us to see our circumstances not as our enemy, but as our opportunity. And and I pray too, Father, that we learn how to walk with Jesus, drawing strength from him day by day, and that we will be a people of deep contentment that overflows in confidence in the mighty name of Jesus. And if you agree with that, say aloud, Amen.